been a while. It's been a while, but we are back with episode 69 of the Glass of Joe podcast with PJ Glasser. I'm Joe Malfa. Holidays, moves, this and that. Uh, we, we, were, we were away for a little while, PJ, but in that time, a lot of things happened, a lot of sports happened, a lot of fun has happened, but more is on the way because on Monday, we have the uh, college football playoff national championship uh, the day before that, and actually the two days before that because there's Saturday NFL games this week. We decide all the final spots for the NFL playoffs, so a lot going on. Uh, we'll get to it all, but to start off, we have some special guests, as we did last year, from the schools represented in the national title game. We have a couple of guests, one from Georgia, one from Alabama, to talk about this week's national title game. Well, Joe, it's national championship week, and last year when we were previewing Bama and Ohio State, we had somebody from Bama, we had somebody from Ohio State. PJ, let's now. be real. You only wanted to redo it again this year because it worked in your favor last year where Bama won the title. So that's you're the not, only You're not wrong, Joe. You're okay. not wrong. <laughs> so this year, I knew it would be a good opportunity to say hello to my friend again, Ellie Cross. She went to Georgia. And Ellie, I got to say, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this game because – we worked together the summer that Bama beat Georgia in the Natty, and I reminded you of that every day. And I think karma's coming for me uh, this time around. I think I think it's <laughs> Georgia's year. I think the Braves won the World Series, and I think now the Dogs are going to win the championship. I think it's just the year of Georgia. So what do you think is going to happen in the game? On a scale from 1 to 10, how confident are you? It's funny, if I had known that was the case last year with the outcome in this podcast, I maybe would have reconsidered. <laughs> um, you know, one to 10, how confident I am. I don't know. See, last time everyone was telling me it was the year of the dog when we were in the national championship last time too. And I was trying not to get my hopes up, but <laughs> I hate to be this boring, but I would say I'm an even keel five out of 10, 50, 50%. Good confident. job. Because mm. anything else would be a flat out lie. There is no possible way you can say anything otherwise. This is as tight as it can possibly get. So thank you for right. being honest. Even if it's a boring answer, it's the right answer. I said this before. I, I don't know if I said this to PJ everyone pretty much, but even before the SEC championship, I, like you guys could have been four and six and I still would have been nervous for that game. Still same scenario for the national championship. I just never can be too sure. So I'm trying to temper my expectations, but yeah, my, my hopes are higher than my confidence level. I would say is the Georgia is the Georgia fan base. Are they sold on Stetson? Do they think he should be starting this game or do they think that maybe JT should get the start? You know, I think most people that I've talked to at this point are just rolling with Stetson. We know that nothing is really going to change. Coach Mart's been pretty consistent in that, just saying, you know, Stetson's the guy. And I think at this point, you know, you may say, yeah, we're facing Bama again and things didn't really go our way on offense the first time. So, yeah, you could roll the dice and throw in JT or one of the five-star guys we have on our roster that never have never played a full game. But I think at this point, you know, for most of our games this year, Stetson's worked. Um and I, I think at this point, like the whole, oh my God, like goodness, get JT in there. That hype has really gone down. I think for most of the season, when Stetson was in after JT's injury and everything, people were like, oh, we need to work him back in when he's healthy. Like it's the, more about the potential rather than, you know, we were still winning games with Stetson, but it was more so about like when we do face the Bamas and the Michigans, like will Stetson be able to get it done? But now I think we've seen what he can do at least in against Michigan. And I think at this point, we're just going to roll with Stetson and hope he can repeat his performance from last week. 
play great uh, against Michigan. I mean, at this stage of the game, like you, we probably knew all year it was going to come down to Bama and Georgia. I mean, PJ, how long, how, how far back can you remember that we were like, these teams are playing twice SEC title and probably national title. So it's not a surprise yeah. that we're here. Once, I mean, how the, how Georgia looked against Clemson and Bama looked in Miami, you knew they were the best. And then once the kind of other teams you knew didn't look as great, you kind of figured they were on a, a collision course. Well, I have a question for you. So there was a time span where you guys were in a uh, like a stretch of really close games. Like Florida yeah. was close. Did you always kind of think you still had it in you to make it this far, though? You know, it's a good question. I, I didn't. I uh, I thought I thought they would go undefeated. I thought uh, you know, like A and M was a shocking loss. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought Auburn at the end of the year, if Bo Nix was healthy, I thought that could have been a losable game. The whole key was to was a losable game, even if even though he played, he that's, didn't play. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, had Bo Nix played, they would have lost that game. Um, but this Bama team, more than any other, I feel like they listened to the media. You know, like the two best games they played all season was Ole Miss and Georgia. When they went in and everybody was like, oh, this could be a game that Bama could lose. Like, they should watch out. Every other game when they're big favorites and people are like, just get us to next week, next week. That's where they struggle. So that's to me, is what's so fascinating about this game. It's because Saban, again, can play the underdog card. Like, you beat this team, and you're still an underdog. But at the same time, like, to me, I think Georgia has such an advantage that they've already seen Bama play, that they know what to expect. Um, and, and I think it's, it's going to be fascinating. Do you think that's an advantage for Georgia? Because, you know, part of it might be, like, I think – it might be a little bit of a hit to Georgia's confidence. They were rolling all season. Their defense was mm -hmm. unbelievable. They thought this was their year. And then Bama, you know, came in and beat them. Or do you think it's an advantage that they've already seen them and they know what they're, what they're getting into? Yeah, I will say I saw a really funny tweet that was like, the biggest battle between Georgia and Bama this week is which head coach can convince their team that the media, <laughs> they're worse than the other, than their opponent. It's true. Um, but so all along, I did not think that this team would go undefeated win the SEC championship and then win two playoff games. I just, I don't know. It's a really tall task to go undefeated. Like, yeah. I, I don't think we're up to the same caliber, caliber of offenses like, you know, Joe Burrow, LSU, like all the. So I never really thought that was a possibility. I all along kind of thought, you know, an SEC championship loss would not be the worst thing in the world just to kind of, you know, get one loss out of the way and have that almost, you know, motivation and chip on your shoulder. But the way that we lost the SEC championship, I was a little concerned about. But the way that we responded and then came out against Michigan, I thought, you know, like maybe this is good. And I know like we did use that as fuel. Like oh, everybody was saying our defense was so overrated. Oh, maybe we need to look at Georgia's strength of schedule. Like it's maybe like they haven't played anybody and all of that. So I think we did use that. And I hope that we don't lose sight of that too. Um, we are, I know we're favored in it, um, which was a little surprising to me at first, to be honest. But honestly, I think like the biggest key to our game is like taking all of the emotions and feelings and history of this Georgia Bama series, especially under Coach Smart just taking that all out of the equation and just treating it as another game. You know, I know that's easier said than done, but like, I think we just need to actually come into it, not even think about like who we're playing, just think about what we have to do and the matchups in the game and everything. And 
you know, trying not to think about all those external factors and feelings that are maybe inevitable, but, you know, you would like to hope that we can kind of take away the rap poison and just forward <laughs> with the game. I'm glad you went down that path because, like, I was trying to think about this throughout the day and, and since the matchup was set on New Year's Eve, like, I don't know that I could think of a matchup that's been more interesting psychologically than this one, like in all aspects, like to what you said before, which coaches are going to convince their team that they're the underdog. And like, so, so Bama just kicked George's ass, but Bama's the underdog. So like Kirby smart's going to sit there and say, they just kicked your ass. And Nick Saban's going to say, you're the underdog. And like, there's that whole thing about it. And then there's the whole aspect of the ghosts of Bama games past. And there's the whole aspect of, you know, there's going to be a lot of people, mostly fans more so than players who are like, oh, it's great that we lost to Bama to get that out of the way and get that out of our system. Like, there's just so many different psychological aspects to this, and I can't wait to see how it plays out, like, for the players when they get between the lines. Because we could we could analyze it here and pretend to be Freud and figure this whole thing out here. But, like, it's going to be different when they actually get out there. How is it going to mentally affect them? And to be honest, like, I really think George is going to win this game, so I'll, I'll side with you on that. Um, but – because when it comes down to it, I think they're a better all-around team. They got that loss out of the way. But more so than any matchup that I could think of, college or pro, just I, the psychology of it in so many ways is so interesting. Right. And that's been a piece for every single Bama game that we've had in the past couple of years. You know, it's just always been that, can they get over the hump and finally be Bama? You know, Saban's finally lost to a former assistant, but that hasn't really taken the load off our backs just yet. So I think that's another thing too. I completely understand, you know, Coach Smart's relationship with Alabama being there for so long and his former mentor and everything. So, you know, I think once we can kind of separate ourselves from the history there and everything, we should be better off and hopefully one day get it done. And hopefully it's this week, but I agree with you. It's a psychological thriller for sure. You know what's fascinating is every time these teams have played since Kirby's been the coach is Georgia has led in every game and Bama's had to come from behind. So I'm interested to see if Bama has a lead early and then it's Georgia who comes from behind. That's what I think, too, is another big advantage is all year, you know, they would get up on teams and then they would just cruise. So I think the fact that they were trailing, that they experienced that will help them if they're in that scenario again where they can be like, all right, we've been here before and we know what to do this time. Because it can be a big shock to a team who's been cruising all year and then all of a sudden you're facing adversity and you're like, uh, what do we do? So, Right. Well, the ironic thing about that too is I think one, something that's going to be important for Georgia is to get the lead early. You know, you saw it in the Bama game. It's like, I don't think Stetson's play was the reason why we lost to Bama, I think, in the SEC championship. I think – the way he was playing was why we couldn't come back from the second mm, half. Good point. Yeah. So I think that it's important to establish the lead early for Georgia, but at the same time, I know history backs up that, that, you know, doesn't always uh, say when the clock hits zero for Georgia. So that will be an interesting thing to watch as well. I think. Doesn't even have to be when the clock hits zero because there was no clock in overtime when it happened last yeah. time. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Ellie, before we let you go, what is your uh, what's your score prediction? Oh God, I don't know. See, I uh, all right. I have to pick. I have to pick Georgia. I'm just gonna throw something out. I haven't honestly even thought about it. I'm just gonna say 35-28 Georgia. Okay. Respectable. I like it, Georgia. 
She's got the dogs covering. She's got the over, too. You can't bring her on the show and have her pick Bama. There's no way. <laughs> I know. I, I Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope our defense plays well enough to contain Bryce Young and all that. But I don't know. I think we need our offense to produce more, almost more than our defense. So we'll see, too. I agree with you, though. I think if, if a team does get to 30 in this game, I think the first to 30 is going gonna, is gonna to win the game. That should be good yeah. enough to do it. Well, Ellie, good, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Good luck to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I'm sure we'll be talking. <laughs> sure we will. If Georgia wins, you have every right to text it and shove it in my face. So I'll be happy for you. We'll do that. <laughs> we've had some tough losses. So if you guys pull through. I've been a pretty good sport you know I, it's not like I don't have experience in it at this point so I mean you do like DC sports teams too so you know I yeah, mean, there you go fair okay. share heartbreak all around yeah all right thank you guys yeah good luck to you Ellie take care Joe so we talked to Ellie about Georgia now it's time to bring Reeve back in for Bama he came on last year they beat Ohio State so I figured what the hell I'll have him come I'll back I'll tell you again. Reeve I told this to PJ before like this is he Ellie should have not answered the text when PJ asked because last year you came on Bama won, and the only reason PJ wanted to do this again because he thinks it's good juju for Alabama. So there's no Ellie should have ran the other way, uh, and you obviously are in cahoots with PJ here to make sure Bama wins it again. So, but I, I did tell PJ we just want to do what you did last year because last year we said the floor is yours, run with it, tell us your thoughts about the game. So the floor is yours because you were great at that last year. Well, uh, I appreciate you guys having me back on. I hope we can make this a yearly tradition with <laughs> winning as much as possible. Um, I'm even wearing my national championship shirt that I got from the game last year. Um, fortunately, can't attend this year. But I guess my thoughts on the game, you know, last year when I came on, I was pretty confident that Alabama was going to win the game. I was, I was pretty certain that we were going to beat Ohio State in that national championship game. And this year, I, I feel like I'm in the opposite camp. I'm pretty certain Georgia is going to win the national championship. Now, would I be absolutely shocked if Alabama won? No. But the, there's, there's just a couple key things that I think really hurt us. I mean, we're down six significant players on our team right now with injuries. Georgia's getting healthier, and ever, healthier than ever. Pickens is coming back. Brock Bowers is still dealing with a shoulder issue, but he's coming back. The real key to the game is going to be this. The key to the game is going to be, can they get pressure on Bryce Young? Because they went from set, well, Alabama went from having given up seven sacks to Auburn in the Iron Bowl to zero sacks to Georgia in the SEC championship game. And if Alabama's offensive line can play like that again, Alabama will win the football game. Do I think they're going to play like that again? Absolutely not. <laughs> we haven't seen it all season. So I'm concerned. I guess you can tell Ellie that, you know, I expect the Georgia to be national champions. That's so interesting. When Ellie was on, I talked about like how I, when this matchup was officially set New Year's Eve, I don't think – I try to think back. I don't think I've ever seen a more psychologically interesting game in the sense that on one hand you got Kirby Smart telling his players, oh, that team just kicked our ass. We got to get back at them. We're the underdogs. On the other side, you got Bama saying, we beat them, but we're still the underdogs in Vegas. So like there's that whole aspect. There's the whole history of, of Georgia losing to Bama, this and that. And then, like, from the fan perspective, there's, Ellie comes on, and she's kind of sheepish about picking Georgia. We asked her to make a pick at the end. She's like, I mean, I got to pick Georgia. 
So, like, you could tell she didn't want to. And you're out here saying that you think Georgia's going to win. So, we got the Georgia fan that came on who clearly thinks Bam is going to win, even though she had to pick Georgia. You said that you think Georgia's going to win. PJ, have you ever seen a game like this where both fan bases are trying to, like, hand it off to the other fan base? Well, that's the thing. I think <laughs> Georgia fans deep down, I think they feel like they're going to win. But because it's Bama, if they were playing anybody else, they'd feel good. But because it's Bama, they're worried. And Bama, I think every fan knows that George is better. But because Bama has the better quarterback and they have the better head coach, when you have that tandem and you need one game to win in a neutral site, it tends to work in your favor. But Reeves right on it. The offensive line, they played unbelievable. Joe, Bama's O-line the whole season was awful. I mean, they couldn't run the ball for most of those games. They couldn't pass protect. And then against Georgia, I mean, the most magical thing happened ever, where they just looked like the 2020 O-line. And if you give Bryce time, he's going to shred you. Another big part of this game is Bama's going to miss John Mechie. And Reeve and I have talked about this. That's everything. People aren't talking about enough. Mechie got... While we're on, before I lose this train of thought while we're on it, because you see yeah. those Jets posters behind me, right? John Mechie, before the injury, what round would you have taken him in? Early second, probably. Early second. Now, post-injury, he probably falls to the fourth. I, I really hope the Jets draft him. That's great value, but carry on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reeve, wouldn't you agree he would have been probably early second? Yeah, I mean, he might go late one just because of how valuable receivers are in this yeah. day of football. But, I mean, I mean, if he gets a fourth-round grade, he could come back. I mean, that'd be yeah. nice. Look at his – he's all giddy with that <laughs> smile. He could come back. Um, but what people aren't talking about enough, when Mechie got hurt at the end of the second quarter – in that second half, Bama scored one offensive touchdown. It was the first drive of the second half. Bryce hit Jameson on a deep bomb. After that, they had a pick six and a field goal. So their offense really struggled without him. Then in Cincinnati, their offense passing-wise was out of sync. If they just weren't bigger than Cincinnati and they couldn't just run it at will, whatever they wanted, that could have been an ugly, low-scoring game, uglier than it already was. So I think the loss of Mechie is huge. And uh, – you know, Georgia, they're favored in the game. I think Vegas is telling you who's going to win. I've had 15 people text me and be like, how is Bama an underdog in this matchup? And I said, it's that reaction right there. It's that thought right there why Georgia's going to win the game. Because Vegas knows what they're doing. They know they're giving Saban away as an underdog. They know what they're doing. But they also know Georgia's the better team. And they know that Bama forced turnovers and – in that first game, and they didn't commit any. They didn't give up any sacks in that first game. They scored five touchdowns. I can't see many of those things happening again. So I think we're going to close. In that first game, everything went right for Bama. I mean, I, I don't know if y'all remember this, but Bryce Young fumbled the ball and it bounced off like three Georgia yeah. and he picked it right back up while he was laying on the ground. Stuff like that just tells you that that was Bama's night. Is that kind of stuff going to happen again? I don't know. And the other thing, too, that, that I think goes under the radar. Think of where both teams were. Georgia knew they were getting into the playoff, win or lose in that game. They were unbeaten. A loss to Bama would have meant nothing on the record. Clearly it didn't. They're in the playoff. They're in the title game. Bama had to win that game. Bama had one loss. If Bama would have lost that game, they would have been a two-loss non-champion. Could they have still snuck in? Probably not. I mean, I, I, I think the committee would have done the right thing and put Notre Dame in, even though Bama is clearly light years better. But one loss Notre Dame to Cincinnati, who was in the playoff, versus Bama with two losses and a non-champion. Um, 
So Bama, that was their Super Bowl. They had to win that game, and they did. Georgia knew they had a safety net. So that is the other psychological aspect of the last game that is now not there this time around. So that was something uh, that, that stuck out. But let me, let me pose a question to you this way. Uh, since we see you're on the fence kind of about just kind of where you stand on this game, you mentioned, and PJ, you mentioned it as well, head coach, better quarterback, both those better at a neutral site usually bodes well for you. In a one-game situation, if this were a different sport, if this were baseball, if this were basketball, in a seven-game series, neutral site, who wins the series? Is John Mechie playing, or is he not playing? John Mechie, no, as presently constituted, injured guys are out. Georgia and six. I would agree. Georgia four. That, I, that, that's yeah. about fair, and that's yeah. and that's where I think we we yeah. kind of figure out exactly what you said before, Reeve. Like Georgia's a better team, but it's just a specter of Alabama, and and that they have the Heisman quarterback, and that they have Nick Saban. That in one game, like obviously, a lot of people are still going to side with them. Great. One fascinating thing too about this game. All the pressures on Georgia. All of it. This is a down year for Alabama. People expect them to make the natty every year, but it's it's kind of a surprise that they're here. Um, you know, they've had some injuries. And, you know, Georgia, we know that this is their kryptonite. It's the one team they struggle with. I'm interested if Stetson throws a couple of interceptions in the first quarter. If Georgia maybe has three points at halftime, does Kirby make a change? Any kind of doubt, any kind of adversity, how does Georgia respond to it? How about that poetic justice if that happened that way, where you'd yeah. switch to quarterback the well, other way? I could see it. I could see it. I, I don't know. I think I think Kirby Smart's too prideful to, to admit he made a mistake with Stetson. I think he's going to ride or die with Stetson no matter what happens. Just There's just too much. I mean, they haven't seen, we haven't seen JT Daniels in a meaningful snap in, I mean, gosh, six, seven, eight weeks, I feel like, in, in games. Last, last time he got hurt. So I, I think there's no way JT Daniels comes in. Hmm. That'd be a fun sprinkle if there's odds on uh, on title game MVP. If that exists somewhere, I don't know if it does. That'd be a fun sprinkle on JT Day. <laughs> That's right. Oof. Um, all right, Reeve, game prediction. Who do you think? You told us Georgia's going to win, but what do you think the score prediction is? Well, you know, PJ knows I'm kind of a pessimist. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've talked to a, a, lot of, a lot of Georgia fans. I've I've, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of the games again. I went back and rewatched some of the highlights today even. And the first matchup, Bama did such a good job of finding the guys they wanted to pick on and putting Jamison in motion to get him open and get him matched up on safeties or, uh, you know, even the star uh, corner. So I don't think this is necessarily going to be a blowout. I, can, I think it's going to be a close game. I mean, it's still Alabama. We're not a Division three team, as Will Anderson said. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go Georgia 27-24 probably. Um, that, I mean, it, I think that's a probably about right. I think they win by three to six points. It's like he's in my head. My prediction is <laughs> 27-23. I think he's right on. Look, it's going to be a one-possession game, right? Georgia, it's like, it's like when LSU, when LSU had Burrow and Chase and Jefferson, and we see how stupid that college team was now what they're doing in the NFL. They obviously had their losing streak against Bama, and they only won their game by six. So as great and talented as Georgia is, I think if they win, it's going to be close. And my um, pick was 27-21 Georgia. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Going to be, it's going to be right in there. <laughs> it's going to be in the mid-20s. Um, I can't wait to watch the game. Reeve and I have talked about it. This is the first Bama game I can remember where, like, if they win, I won't be shocked, but, like, I'll be, like, like surprised. Like, I'll look at it at the end of it, and I'll be like, 
damn, like we, we beat them again. Like we, I mean, to beat a team like that twice in a month, when I feel like Bama's gotten a little worse because of the injuries and Georgia's gotten a little better because some of those guys that were injured have gotten healthy and they've gotten on a little bit of a roll in that Michigan game. Um, that, I mean, Saban's already the GOAT. He pulls this off. He might be talking about the greatest of all time across any sport ever. This is the best coaching job Nick Saban has ever done with the amount of young guys and injuries. I mean, if if, if this was a healthy John Mechie in this game, it's a completely different game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we'll see. Look, all LE2 is on Georgia. We got four people on Georgia. I kind of like that. I kind (laughs) of like that. We got to send this to Nick Saban. This is some rat poison. (laughs) Yummy rat poison. Yummy rat poison. (laughs) Reeve, good seeing you. Thanks for the breakdown. Awesome. Uh, Thanks same for time me. next year. Huh? Same, yeah, same, same time next year. Past, I am predicting Bama will be here next year, so I'll see you all then. <laughs> see you then. See you then. It just blows my mind how, how everybody kind of feels the same way about this game. I said it when they were on. It's just there's, there's just tension from both sides. And, look, last year I think a lot of people thought Bama was going to blow Ohio State out of the water. Fine. And usually there's a heavy lean one way or the other, but I got, I mean, I, I just, I just want to press play on the TV or or turn the TV on on Monday and just enjoy it. (laughs) I know it's tougher for you. You're going to be nervous, but you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. No, it it will be good. Um, Look, college football, the last couple of years, there's been kind of the separation between like the top three or four teams in the country and everybody else. And in the semifinals, you saw that people, there were plenty of people that thought Michigan would give Georgia a game. Um, I was not one of those people. <laughs> uh, I think if Ohio State had played Georgia, that that could have been a much better game. But, uh, no, these are, these are two teams that uh, they're obviously they're built the same way. Kirby learned everything that he knew from Nick. And, I mean, Joe, there is so much pressure on Georgia in this game, and I can't wait to see how they handle it. Because, look, if Bama wins, then people won't be shocked, even though they're underdogs. But if Georgia wins, it'll be like, oh, they finally got over that hump. And it it could be scary for college football if Georgia wins because now you could see that transformation that Bama went through where all of a sudden you get the quarterbacks to Jake from the Stetson Bennett's to getting the Tua's, the Max, the Bryce's, you know what I mean? So, uh, So it's a huge game. I can't wait to watch it. Do you, what do you think the fan uh, in the stadium, like what do you think the fan discrepancy Ooh. will be? Because if Michigan won and it was an Indy, it would have been 90-10, Michigan-Alabama. But now with Georgia-Bama, I kind of think it'll be like 60-40, maybe 55-45 Georgia. I was going to say, I mean, it's going to be t- – I mean, do, do you, I was going to turn that around and ask you, do you think that like there's almost a sense of apathy from Bama fans where it's like, I don't got to go to this year's. Like we were just at last uh, yeah, year's. Right? I, I, I might go to next year's. Like, do you do you think that means it's 60-40 Georgia? Is that the reason? Do you think Bama fans are like, nah, we went last year. Our team's gonna be even better next year. We'll go next year. I I, I do. And and because again, Georgia is still searching for their first one since the 80s. So yeah. and, and with how that SEC championship game ended, like Georgia fans, they're scared to play Bama, but I think there's also this like confidence that they think mm-hmm. like, all right, like this, this is the year that we're going to get it done. So I think there will be, there will be more Georgia fans there. That Bama fatigue is kind of set in. Joe, even with me and my friends, we're like, look, if Bama makes the final four in hoops, we're there. Like it yeah. doesn't, we're there. <laughs> but football for the natty, it's like, 
Tickets are expensive. Flights are, you know. You guys are so, so spoiled. We are. You're so we used really to it. You don't are. even care. It's awful. You don't even care. It really is. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, oh, I think man. more Georgia fans would be there for sure. All right. Well, that covers our national title talk. It's time for the NFL because we're in the first ever week 18. Uh, and that's going to set us up for the uh, first yeah. ever wild card weekend that has a Monday night game. So we got a lot going on. Um, the super wild card weekend got even more super because there's a Monday game this year. Uh, what do you think? We're, we'll, we'll run through the slate here kind of game by game, which ones have implications. And as far as who we have getting the final seedings and, and what the playoff looks like. I mean, Saturday we got chiefs at Broncos. We got Cowboys at Eagles, um, a, a game that means something for seeding for both the, the, the chiefs and the Cowboys and could mean something for seeding. Um, for the Eagles as well, as far as which of the wild cards they get. Because um, depending on the tiebreaker, the Saints possibly at 9-8, and eight, the Eagles possibly at 9-8, and eight, uh, things can change as far as the, which seed the Eagles get. So seeding, yes, on the line, but playoff berths not on the line. Uh, what do you think for the Saturday game? You know, the Saturday games, it's kind of nice. The Kansas City has something to play for because if they win and Tennessee loses, they'll get the one seed. So it's good that their stars will be playing. But, I mean, Joe, you know, Philly and Dallas have both been having COVID issues, so we'll see who's going to play on Saturday. Both teams have already locked playoff spots. So, you know, they'll want to win, but neither team will be playing for much. And Denver wants to beat Kansas City, obviously, because they're a rival. They want to end the season on a high note. But Drew Locke's playing, and Drew Locke's not very good. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Denver's defense is, is solid, but their offense, it's just painful. Joe, to watch the Broncos, the Giants, and the Bears play football just is not a fun experience. Oh, Jacksonville, <laughs> another one. I mean, those offenses are atrocious. Um, and the way Kansas City's been rolling, the way their defense has been rolling, from the exception of last week against Cincinnati, the Kansas City, the unders in their games had hit like seven of the last nine games. So, you know, they always seem to get it rolling this time of the year. They've obviously made it to the Super Bowl two straight years. They're probably going to make it again this year. Um, Spread-wise, I might lean Denver. Ten and a half is a lot of points. I would I mean, lean Denver if Teddy Covers was playing quarterback. But yeah. Drew uh, Locke playing quarterback. Yeah, I, think I don't know. I mean, do you know what the weather's supposed to be? Are we supposed to get uh, snow? Or? You know, that's a good question, and that's why Google. Because obviously if there's some snow or some wind, uh, that yeah. is a huge benefit to Denver with the way that they could run the ball and play defense. But Sunday, I mean, 35 nice, degrees, no wind, sunny. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Denver. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to be enjoyable for you. <laughs> I'm with you on that game. The Cowboys-Eagles game. Eagles have some COVID problems. Now the Cowboys, uh, who might play, who might not play, we don't know. The spread in that game has gone back and forth. At first yeah. it was like three or four uh, that, that the Cowboys were laying. Then it got all the way up to seven. Now it's back down to four and a half. Um, this game probably means nothing. because like, We saw last year teams got to a point where they didn't necessarily care being the two, three, or four seed, and they rested guys. So I don't know exactly what we're going to get out of the Cowboys. Zeke with his knee still not 100%. I can see him resting. I can see them giving Dak an early day off, um, maybe at halftime, just if in case there's anything still lingering with that cap. So I don't really know what to expect in this game. I actually think the Eagles are going to win this game. Um, if, depending on – I say that now as, as we're recording on Thursday, depending on who they get back and who could actually play with some of the COVID going through – uh, through with the Eagles. It's been nobody big time. Like Jalen Hurts is still okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Goddard was the biggest name 
uh, so far, which is a big name. Uh, I mean, as, as far as being Hurts' favorite target. So it, it seems that they could get him back with the, the new institution of the five-day period rather than 10 days. So they should be close to 100%. Uh, signs are pointing that way. So I like the Eagles. And again, it doesn't mean a ton as far as the uh, implications here. I was really curious. I want your thoughts on this as far as having the Saturday game this year. Um, would, would these have been the two games you picked for Saturday? Like it's, it's tough because you, you want to have games that have yeah. implications, but like the implications in this game aren't insane. And no, you know, I, uh, so, you know, Vegas and LA should be the Sunday night NBC game. That's the tradition. You absolutely. have a playoff caliber game, but yeah. I would have liked to see in the Saturday night game be San Francisco and LA. Because to me, there are two games this week that I can't wait to see. And then the rest are like, whatever. Vegas and Chargers and then San Francisco and L.A. We know Shanahan owns McVay. They've already killed him this year on Monday night. San Francisco needs this game to get into the playoffs. The Rams are battling for seeding. But they also, you know, want to play well. Stafford has not been good lately. And uh, so just because the desperation of San Francisco, a little bit of both teams, but especially the Niners, I would have liked to see that as a Saturday. I agree with that. And, and, and for the, some of the same logic of the game that I'm going to say, I would have liked to see the Titans Texans on Saturday, because if the Titans win that game and they lock up the one seed, then you could have had the Bengals and the chiefs go ahead and rest guys. And it would have been a big boost for them. And you want to, I feel like you want to see a team like the Titans, if they could possibly clinch the number one seed in the way that the Packers did on Sunday Night Football this last week, if you could see the Titans clinch the number one seed in a standalone national game, that would have been a cool moment. And same thing goes for what you said about the Rams and the Niners. If either team wins that game, Rams win, they clinch a division. Niners win, they clinch a playoff spot. So yeah. that would have been cool to see as a standalone national game. And it wouldn't have necessarily had a, a, an adverse ripple effect on the rest of the weekend these two games, I mean, Cowboys Eagles means virtually nothing. Both are in, it's just right. for seeding and Cowboys Broncos. All it does is put pressure on the Titans then on Sunday, if the chiefs happen to win. So, which I, in a, in a way is also good, but now if the Titans all of a sudden lose on Sunday, you had the chiefs celebrating clinching the one seed from at home on their couches, which is not fun at all. So I would have flipped those two games. I would have had chiefs on Sunday and I would have had Titans on Saturday. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you. That's a good call on Titans-Texans. Um, it's a shame, you know, that Ravens-Steelers, had we looked at this game maybe four or five weeks ago, it could have been something. It, it is been the great. most meaningless, meaningful game of the week. Both teams are not eliminated, but, like, yeah. both teams kind of are eliminated because the Ravens need to win, the Chargers to lose, the Colts to lose to the Jaguars, and the Dolphins to lose to the Patriots. And the Steelers need pretty much those same combination of things to happen. So uh, <laughs> it is the most meaningless, meaningful game of the week. Actually, Pittsburgh's is they have to win, Indy has to lose, and then that's the scenario where they have to the sit tie. home and hope yeah. that the tie doesn't happen in Vegas Chargers. So um, both the teams are alive in theory, but not really. And if people are wondering, I've already bet the Ravens to get into the playoffs parlay, and that is <laughs> that is five dollars to win one ninety two, Joe. So for people out there, Jacksonville obviously accounts for about a hundred dollars of that. But uh, you know what? What? Look, I think three of those things will actually happen. I think Vegas, New England, and um, Vegas, New England, and the Ravens will win. Mm. It's just. 
can we get Jacksonville? Jacksonville? Yeah. Win. Hey, they won. The Colts have not on. beaten them in Jacksonville no. since 2014. So. Unbelievable. You're telling it's, me there's a chance. Yo, you're that, telling hey, me look, there's a chance. It's one of those things that's fluky because think of all the the cycles those teams have gone through in the last seven years. Like three, you know, was it five, uh, four years ago the Jaguars were in the AFC title game, um, and then before that they sucked, and the Colts had Andrew Luck. So like those teams have gone over and over. Yeah. Um, and roster turnover in those six, seven years. So it's obviously not the same thing. It's not like these two teams played each other exactly for six straight years, but still, it's just one of those things that's not a thing, but it kind of is a thing. And is it going to be a thing again this week? We're going to find out, but uh, it's hilarious too. I'm on ESPN. I'm looking at the ticket prices, like the average ticket prices to get into these games. And every single game is below like a hundred bucks <laughs> except for San Francisco game and Vegas game, because those are the only games. So that's, that's week go. 18. That uh, is week going, 18 for you going on from that Steelers Ravens. All right. It kind of counts. Uh, Bengals Browns, the Browns are a dumpster fire again, and they got this whole thing now with Baker hanging over them for next year. The Bengals, I was surprised to hear that Joe Burrow's resting in this game because, and this kind of, I guess goes to show where teams don't necessarily care if they fall two, three or four, but they have a chance to let the one, albeit an outside chance to Bengals at the one. Um, I was surprised that they're not playing Burrow. Maybe that knee injury last week was a little more than they let on, or they're just trying to rest him. But all they need, I say all they need, like it's a little bit. It is significant. They need to win. They need the Titans to lose. They need the Chiefs to lose. And they need the Patriots to lose. So with that in mind, um, again, we'll know on Saturday already if the Bengals can or can't clinch the one seed based on what the Chiefs do. But I was surprised they came out as early as they did and said that Burrow wasn't playing. If Burrow didn't have those lingering, that ankle and everything, I think there was a shot he could play. But, you know, divisional matchup on the road, I just think that they were like, look, if we get the one, fantastic. But if we don't, we'll take our chances. Beating the Chiefs, I think, told the Bengals, like, on our best day, we can beat anybody in this conference. So – We'll take our chances. We'll get our home game because we won the AFC North. We'll take that, and then we'll see what happens in the divisional round, and we'll go from there. So It's going to be nice seeing a home game in Cincinnati where it's not Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis, and you know that the team actually has a chance oh <laughs> like all God. those years yeah, I know where you knew true. exactly what was going to happen when the Bengals got to that point. Um, the 1 o'clock, look, we know the 1 o'clock slate is always like this in the last week of the season where most of the games are meaningless. Another one like that, Packers-Lions. The Lions uh, just about have the number one pick locked up and the Packers had the number one seed locked up. So we'll skip over that. Titans at Texans is the biggest game of the one o'clock window in terms of the impacts it has on all the other scenarios. And I don't think it's this four guy conclusion that everybody is thinking about. I agree. The Texans already beat the Titans this year in Tennessee. You know, they've played hard all year, a really good team of veterans that they're going to want to spoil the Titans season. And this is the first time the Titans have been in this kind of pressure scenario where all eyes are on them win and you're the one seed. So this is the game where, um, you know, if you don't have it locally or if it's not the national game at one o'clock, although I haven't checked, it should be. Um, I mean, obviously if you're in a certain local area like Pittsburgh or Baltimore, you're going to get that game and not the the Titans Texans game. But if this is a national game, you'd very much hope you get this because this is the one that has the most significance. And I'm going to be, uh, finding some sort of illegal stream and having it on my laptop in addition to red zone, because this is the game that I want to see. Look, Houston's been playing really good the last couple of weeks. We know they beat the chargers, 
that San Francisco game, they lost by 16, but they were up in the second mm-hmm. half, and there was a controversial call where the 49ers guy, they ruled his forward progress. It was not. It was a fumble, and Houston could have taken over. They could have scored. They could have gone up double digits, and it flipped the entire thing. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, Davis Mills, we all crapped on him earlier in the season. Joe, he's been the second-best rookie quarterback this season. He's been good. I mean, he, you know, he, he's been fine, and Cooks has been a nice little receiver. Burkhead's given him something in the run game. And, uh, look, at the end of the day, this is an divisional game. These teams know each other well. Like you said, Tennessee already beat – Houston already beat Tennessee. And, you know, all this news now about Derrick Henry coming back I think might be a bad thing for the Titans this week. And yeah. it's the sense like, oh – Derek's back. We're going to be good for the playoffs. Like, at least we got our dude back. And maybe they get a little, you know, they don't have much focus on this game as they should. Um, I'm with you, though. I like Houston plus 10.5. In week 18, Joe, it seems like teams that need these games, especially teams that have big spreads, never come from. It's no. just always a struggle because you have a team the that pressure has finally after- gets to them. Pressure gets to them, and the teams that they're playing have nothing to play for, and they absolutely want nothing more than to spoil their season or ruin it somehow. And that's the position that the Jags and Houston find themselves in, and I expect both of them to give the Colts and the Titans everything that they can handle. Because the key is that Indy and Tennessee and Wentz and Tannehill both have quarterbacks that are accidents waiting to happen. They can both have four interception games. They can both have fumbles. They're guys that won't go and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. So if Jacksonville's stopping Jonathan Taylor, if Houston's stopping Foreman or even Henry if he plays, and they force Tannehill and Wentz to beat him, we could uh, we could have some sweats on our hands for those, for those teams. We could. Now that's, that's the next game on the list here, Colts-Jaguars. I don't want to spend much time on this. That streak since 2014 is what it is. Not this time. This Jaguars team is that putrid. They can't wait for the offseason to try to regroup for next year. And the Colts, I mean, they're going to bludgeon now. If you want to go ahead, this is my player prop of the week. See what you get on Jonathan Taylor over 200 yards. That's the kind of week this is going to be this week. Um, I don't even, I'm not even joking when I say that. I saw this Jaguars team get run all over by the Jets missing Michael Carter uh, a couple weeks ago when I was at the stadium. Jonathan Taylor already had a big game against them this year. And they're just going to run it down their throats, not make any mistake about this and make sure they get their uh, playoff spots. So as fun as it would be for Jacksonville to win, to see if the Chargers and Raiders would actually play for a tie on Sunday night, uh, it's not going to happen. The Colts are going to run all over them. And that's all I have to say about that. Man, I will, we'll, 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 I'll get into this game in best bets. Best okay. bets. All right. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, Bears Vikings is one of the other one o'clock games means absolutely nothing for either team. We're moving on. Same thing with the Washington football team and the Giants means nothing. Then we get into the games that actually mean something in the four o'clock hour. Saints Falcons Saints have to win um, and get a Niners loss to get in. Those games will be simultaneous. They're on the road against a Falcons team that has been playing kind of free. They look good for some time against Buffalo. Um, the Saints defense has been terrific. It's just the offense went 160 something minutes without a touchdown before they finally got one last week. Mm -hmm. So it's Ken Taysom Hill in the offense and Alvin Kamara wake up against a pretty bad Falcons defense. And will the Falcons be that spoiler, be that thorn in the side of the Saints as they have been in the past? 
Joe, this game's real simple. The game's in Atlanta, so I like the Saints. Both these teams are <laughs> awful at home, and they're very good on the road. It's it's just it's that simple. Atlanta's only home win this season in Atlanta is against Detroit with Tim Boyle. They beat the Jets in London, which was considered a home game, but they've been awful in, in Atlanta. New Orleans has been great on the road, and New Orleans hasn't been great at the Superdome this year, which is shocking for them. But, uh, you know, four and a half, a divisional game. Atlanta already beat New Orleans this year, so you got to think New Orleans is going to get some payback. I'd probably lay it with the Saints. I think they win an ugly one this week. I can see it like 20 to 13, something like that. It makes sense. Uh, Jets Bills, the next one. Uh, the Jets last week, I was there. They gave the Bucks all they could handle until the yeah. end. Zach Wilson looked terrific last week, and he has been playing really well ever since he came back from injury. Um, his touchdown, his touchdown to turnover ratio was putrid before the injury. And since then, um, it's been terrific. No fumbles, no, just one interception right now outside of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Zach Wilson has the longest streak in the NFL without throwing interceptions. So it's wow. been a lot better. Um, they got some guys coming back healthy for this game. Michael Carter, Elijah Moore are still up in the air. Um, there's no chance they'd go into Buffalo and beat the Bills. And it's a Bills team that obviously needs a game to, to go ahead and clinch the division. Um, I don't think it's as lopsided as the spread for this game would indicate at 16 and a half. And maybe we get into that in best bets a little bit. Um, but this is a game where uh, the Bills should take care of business. Buffalo is the most fascinating team in football from the standpoint that they're 0-5 in one possession games this season. And I think they, they have either 9 or 10 wins this season by double digits. So their schedule hasn't been very good. If they play a crappy team, they kill them. If they play a good team, they usually lose. So the Jets, you know, I just – I think this thing could get ugly. I'd probably lay it with Buffalo. Buffalo, sometimes they teeter with the number. Like, this game should be right around kind of 17, 14, 20, 21. So I wouldn't touch it. If I had to play it, I'd lay it with Buffalo. But you could definitely get a Jets backdoor in there. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. No way the Jets win yeah. this game. The Bills, you know, especially there's probably going to be some weather, and that just suits the Bills' defense, forcing some turnovers, Josh Allen running the ball. Uh, so this will be – I like the under. Take the under. And uh, Buffalo should roll to the AFC East title. Agreed. If that game gets a late push to 17-18 to in the spread, I'd take the Jets. As it is at 16-and-a-half, I won't touch it. But yeah. it's been an inspired Jets team in the last couple of weeks. Again, yeah, that, that feels like defending a game Super Bowl right champs on the, on the right ropes there. last week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, funny things happen when the Patriots play the last week of the season in Miami. Uh, but it's a Miami team that had the win taken out of their sails after yeah. the loss last week. So I have no idea what to make of this game. It's a New England team that needs to win and to have the Bills lose, which is not going to happen, as we just said, uh, to win the division. I think the Patriots probably realize the Bills aren't going to lose to the Jets. I think there's some scoreboard watching going on. And when it's 24 to 10 at halftime, the Bills are winning. Um, you see kind of the Patriots get into that mode of, all right, so what? You know, it, it is what it is at this stage of the game. They're going to lock up uh, the, the top wild card as the fifth seed uh, and set up possibly another game against Buffalo next week, depending on how things break. Uh, I think the Patriots win. I think the Dolphins cover. Uh, but I wouldn't be stunned if the Dolphins won this game outright. Yeah, I like Miami plus six and a half. The fascinating thing about this game is, I mean, Miami was one and seven at one point this season. Then they win seven in a row, and then they get blown out last week. So yeah. psychologically, 
now that they're eliminated, you just have to wonder where they're head at. They they went in a couple weeks ago looking at, oh my God, we get New England at home with a chance to make the playoffs to now we got nothing to play for. Because it's the Patriots, though, and because, you know, Flores and obviously Belichick, and they'll want to win this game just because it's New England and it's their division and they want to know that they've arrived and they're kind of on that level with Buffalo and New England in their mind. I think Miami will play really hard and they'll give New England a game and they'll keep it close. But uh, I, I think I think New England probably wins this one in the end. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the next one here in this window, Panthers, Bucks. I mean, Panthers have been putrid. The Bucks have all this going on right now with AB. Um, it doesn't, again, mean a ton for the Bucks. It's a matter of seeding. If they win, uh, they can be uh, the uh, third seed, depending on what Dallas does. If they lose, they could be the fourth seed. It's the difference, though, between facing the Eagles or the Saints or one of those 9-8 and eight teams or facing a 12-5 and five Arizona team. Yeah. So it is important. Um, I don't think the Bucs are playing their best game in this one, but they'll still win. Uh, they'll do plenty to win. They probably, would, they probably go ahead and win this by one of the quietest – you know, double digit wins of the season where they're just kind of struggling along. And then all of a sudden you blink and it's like 33 to 10. So that, that's yeah. kind of what I'm expecting out of this one. Yeah. No, no play on this one. Uh, Carolina, they've haven't covered the spread in their last six games. Their defense is solid, but boy, they've been struggling a quarterback McCaffrey, obviously dinged up and he means so much to that offense. Carolina is just ready for the season to be over. They're just one Absolutely. of those teams that they're, they're ready for it to be done. They're ready to go golfing here in Arizona in the offseason. But uh, Tampa's going to be interesting to watch in the playoffs, Joe. Losing Godwin, now losing a- Antonio Brown. Fournette's banged up. I mean, that's They should get him higher. back. It's Allegedly, they're getting Fournette back, which would be big for them. But That would be. But, man, losing Godwin and Brown, I mean, that is huge for that offense. It'll be interesting to watch them in the playoffs. Now we get the two NFC West matchups, the last two games kicking off at 425. I got two upset uh, specials in these games, Joe. Do I you? like both dogs. In both of them. I like, well, yes, I love Seattle because Arizona's at home, and I don't like Arizona at home. I love them on the road. I don't like them at home. And Seattle's really, their offense has been coming alive here the last couple weeks. I like how they looked against Detroit. Shows me they're still playing. Russ allegedly is saying he still wants to be there. This could be Pete Carroll's last game. So I think they're going to want to send him out the right way. They're going to play hard for him. Arizona, like you said, they got nothing to play for. Can they win the division, actually? Can they? Uh, they can. If the, if the Rams lose, they win the division. Oh, okay. There you go. So the, the Arizona does have a lot to play for, actually. I just like <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> they do have a lot to play for. I do like Seattle, though. Uh, I like Seattle in this game. I, I actually think they win it outright. Six and a half there. They're kind of daring you to take the touchdown. But again, Cliff Kingsbury, this man, his track record since he's been head coach at Texas Tech. Not good. You go look at how his teams end seasons, and it is not good. unbelievable. It's not good, but I will go with the Cardinals in this game to win outright, but the Seahawks probably to cover in one of those classic like Seahawks games that comes down to the wire where a lot of random stuff happens that you don't see in a normal football game. Yeah, um, It could be that kind of game, but I think – psychologically going on the road and beating Dallas last week was massive for the Cardinals kind of get out of their funk, get a win in December. uh, And I think they roll through that and beat the Seahawks here. Uh, Again, they have a lot to play for. They could win the division in the event. The Niners beat the Rams, which is potentially very likely because Sean McVay has not beaten Kyle Shanahan. So they know that the division is there for the taking. um, And it's huge in terms of what it would do 
for the seeding because if the Cardinals win and the Rams lose, the Cardinals then jump possibly up to the third seed and would, uh, in that case, face, uh, I believe, San- in this scenario, they would face San Francisco because San Francisco would get the win over the Rams to push the Cardinals there. So they'd get the third seed and that home game. If they, l- if they win, but the Rams win, uh, then you get a case where they're going back to Dallas. So then again, <laughs> with the way Arizona's been, was you rather be on the road against Dallas That's again or I'm at saying. home against the Niners? I might rather be on the road against Dallas, but look, not um, only you're going to want to be home. Arizona has been historically good on the road this season. They're eight and one and all eight of their wins have been by double digits. So not only do they win, they win convincingly. Except so for I agree the last with one you. against Dallas, except for the last one against Dallas. Oh, that's true. That was by yeah, one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were winning by like two scores late and then Dallas right. scored a touchdown. But uh, look, and then obviously they had the game for Detroit where they just didn't show up. But Joe, I'm with you. If I'm an Arizona fan, I'm like, a part of me doesn't want to win the division. We're going to be playing next week In that week sense, yes, but there's no way the team is wired that way. They want to be home. They're going to try to win the division. Um, and I, they, I think they come out and win. Now, the Niners-Rams game, I am going to pick the Rams, but it is a toss-up for me. Yeah. For me, it just goes to the kind of uncertainty at quarterback right now for the Niners, where Jimmy G, is, he's practiced limited a couple days already this week. So you maybe got some ref split between him and Trey Lance and like around the building, you're not sure who it's going to be. Uh, now that keeps the Rams on their toes because they got to prepare for two all week. But I think now that the chips are down and a win wins the Rams a division, um, I, I think they finally get that monkey off their back of the Niners uh, and, and go ahead and finally cement this division with Stafford and McVay having a big game and getting over that Niners hump. I, I, I can't wait for that game. Can't yeah. wait. because San I'm not Francisco, confident in it. I just think that's the way it goes. In a game like that, when most people will tell you it's a toss-up, like if you have the Rams, like you're nervous. Like you don't think it's going to be a blowout. So, you know, give me the four and a half and I'll take the shot at the upset. I think I'll take the four and a half, um, but I'll, I'll take the Rams outright in this game. And it's going to be – those two games are going to be, I think, terrific simultaneously. It could be a lot of Scott Hansen drama going back and forth between those two games. Yep. Uh, and that takes us then to Sunday night. Favorite uh, game of the week. It's, I can't wait. Betting they get this, wise they get this right every wise. year. Betting they get this right every wise. year to get this game on Sunday night. Um, I, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. The two teams could not be more different in my eyes. The Raiders are still just like, I look up and they're winning every week. I don't know how they're doing it. They're grinding it out. And then the Chargers are a team. They're both teams that shouldn't be here right now. I don't think the Raiders – people would have expected them to be here with all the close games they've eked out. And I don't think people expected the Chargers to be here because they expected them to be higher up the standings. And here they are needing to win to get in. So neither of these teams, I think people expected to be in this situation for different reasons. Yet here they both are. Joe, my favorite play of the week. The Raiders are my number one in bets best last week against Indy. I'm riding them again. Take them plus three. Take a money line. It's real simple. John Madden passed away. They got all the good vibes. They won it for him last week. They're going to make the playoffs for him this week. And I mean, from a Hollywood perspective, they've had Gruden, they've had Ruggs, they've had John Madden's passing. This is their first year in Vegas with fans. Doesn't it just end with them going to the playoffs? Like, it just does. And to play a team like the Chargers, who just, their DNA is to just poop on themselves. I mean, in a big spot, it's what they do. I think it's the perfect opponent. I think it's the perfect setting. I think it's the perfect way to just encapsulate the season, get into the playoffs, there is no way in heck you can convince me to take the Chargers. If they cover and they win, good for them. But I am 
all on the Raiders this week. I think it's just setting up for them. Justin Herbert's the best player on the field, and that's what scares me. But again, you just Staley as a head coach, a lot of people love him, but his over aggressiveness, I think, it might kill him a lot. It might and in especially this game. in a game like this, it could hurt him big time. He's in Vegas, you know, he's going to roll the <laughs> dice, Joe. That is for sure. But I, I love Vegas, my favorite play of the week. I don't love Vegas, but I'm picking Vegas. I, I don't love him as much as you do because I, I, I could see this being that grown up game from Justin Herbert where he kind of in this big spot, puts the team on his back. And for anybody who maybe doesn't pay the most attention to the chargers in this national spotlight, he reminds people why he was in that conversation already with Mahomes earlier in the year. I'm not saying I would take him over Mahomes and I would not, but it's his chance in the national spotlight with a chance to get to the playoffs to, to go ahead and do that. So uh, I'm going to pick the Raiders, but it's not with the, confidence that you have but that coach man won't um, let me down joe won't let me down uh, you know coach we're gonna won't see. let me down we're is boy see. al michaels is on the call i mean oh god it's Raiders, it's baby. it's setting up for that that poetic ending and Boy. i kind of hope it goes that way we will get to best bets in a second but quick a word on college basketball um yeah. we've neglected that we've neglected the show for the last three four weeks <laughs> forget just neglecting college basketball but we've also neglected college basketball just because it's so tough early in the year but the new year is here, and this is where you kind of start to see things taking shape. We won't go too into the nitty-gritty, um, but just one question, and then we move on to best bets. Who is the best team in the country? Best team in the country is Baylor. Are they my pick to win it all? Probably not, just because it's so hard to repeat. But, I mean, they're just so good defensively again. They're deep. They have good guards. They don't beat themselves. Um you know, and they're just the team so far that's been consistent, not because they they haven't lost a game, but it's because they really haven't had a letdown game yet. You know, like when you think like, oh, this could be a spot where it's some trouble for them against Oregon or Iowa State. They cover the they, they play well and they get the job done. So when at the end of the day, I think Duke and Gonzaga are definitely the most talented teams on paper. Um and Duke still would probably be my pick to win it as of now, although I think Baylor is the best team, but just because they won it last year um, and it's so hard to repeat in March Madness, I would lean towards a Duke or Gonzaga, but I would say Baylor is the best team. I agree with you. <laughs> There's not much else to say. Baylor top to bottom is the best team. Yeah. Duke is my pick to win it just because of their upside um, and the whole thing with it being Coach K's last year, which I'm already sick of hearing. But, like, it's big and it resonates with the players, and they're going to rise to the occasion. Um, so I, I Joe, more disappointing this year, the ACC or Michigan? Oof. Um, I'd probably have to go with the conference. I mean, if you're talking about one team or a whole conference, you'd probably have to side with the conference just because there was high hopes for a number of those teams in that conference, especially North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and I just saw them last night against Notre Dame, and they didn't look Don't inspired. Look Virginia's so, awful. Louisville's yeah, not Virginia's good. terrible. Clemson has shown flashes. Uh, Syracuse Florida is not State good. stinks. God, I thought they'd yeah. be good. They're cannibalizing each other, but, like, not in the good way that we usually see the Big East do that. Right. Like, the Big East, you can tell, like, they're cannibalizing each other, but they're good. I'm looking at the rankings right now. you got Seton Hall, Xavier, Villanova, Providence. They're all in there. Great. But then you look yep. at, you know, then you look at the ACC. You see Duke. And you start scrolling for a little bit and you start scrolling for a little bit and you continue to scroll and you continue to scroll 
and you realize there's no other ACC team in the top 25. So that's it. It's just Duke at two and nothing else. Over, under, three and a half teams out of the ACC to make under. the tournament. Under. Under. Okay. Under. It's, it's that bad. I mean, it is that bad <laughs> where I, I just genuinely don't think that it is a possibility at this point. PJ, the ACC has one team in the top 25, Look, and it's Duke at number two. <laughs> Duke has no remaining games against ranked opponents this season. Crazy. I mean, that's insane. This is the ACC, Joe. And like, PJ, this you is... go down. You, I'll take you a step further. I'll raise it for you. You go down to the other teams receiving votes, Illinois, Oklahoma, the Fighting Sister Jeans, UConn, West Virginia, Iowa, San Francisco, Minnesota, Davidson, Creighton. There's not even an ACC team receiving votes. Not even receiving votes. I know. Look, so, and, and, and the ACC teams, like you said, that are in the tournament right now, they're all like 10-11 seeds. Virginia and, Tech, and North Carolina, Louisville, they're all – and they yeah. might get in based on their reputation alone. So right. Well, what will be, what'll be hilarious on. is we could be going to conference championship week where Duke is playing whatever team in the ACC tournament final, and the bubble teams are like, we freaking really need the team right now playing for the ACC title to lose to Duke so that they don't steal a bubble burst. But that could be, uh, that could yeah. be what it comes down to. Absolutely. All right. Do you by chance have the NFL playoff machine on ESPN in front of you? Uh. I will in three seconds. You pull it up. You put your picks in for this week. At the end of best bets, I want to just say what our seedings are and see who, which way it ends up. Uh, and while you do that, I will stall for you and go ahead and give my start my best bets. Um, I've been on a good streak lately. It you cooled have. down a little bit. I still have a winning week this week. I went three and two. That brings me up to 48 and 47. I'm back above 500 after dipping a few games below 500. Um, and PJ, you had a four and one week, I believe. I did, so yeah. After an zero for five, so it was yeah. nice to bounce back a little bit. The week before, you had an zero for five, and I had a five and zero. So yeah. I've been hot. I know that um, that that got you some ground. It gained me some ground, but you're at 54, 39, and two. I'm at forty eight and forty seven. Um, I will start it off, and it's it's so tough in the last week of the season, just because again, like where are certain teams' heads at, who's actually playing what's on the line. Um, and sometimes you find that the best games to bet are in games with nothing on the line, just because where certain teams heads are at. Uh, and with that said, my number five is actually surprisingly after watching them suck on Monday night football, the Browns minus six. Um, I think the stink right now around the Browns involving Baker has gotten to them. I think they play more inspired with case Keenum at quarterback. I think Kevin Stefanski just runs the hell out of the ball this week with Nick Chubb. Uh, the Bengals are not playing Joe Burrow. They have COVID ravaging through the team. It doesn't look like Joe Mixon is playing. So the Bengals will be a large band of misfits led by Brandon Allen at quarterback. Um, this is one of those where, okay, if you watch the Browns on Monday night, there's no possible way they could be six-point favorites, yet they are. Um, so I'm going to go with the Browns minus six and the number five pick. I like that pick. I actually like the Browns better with Keenum than Baker at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, <laughs> I think he gives a better chance to win. My number five, we've talked about this game already, Georgia and Bama, laying it with Georgia minus two and a half. Uh, that's my number four pick, Georgia right. minus two and a half. So on to your number four pick. There you go. Uh, so I like Seattle plus six and a half against Arizona. I told you I like them outright. Um, I just think – I think this could be Pete Carroll's last game as Seattle's head coach. I think Russell stays in Seattle, but it might be his last game too. 
for what they've done to that organization. You know, they, they love Seattle. They love the city. They want to send it out the right way. And I just don't trust Arizona at home. Like you said, Dallas was a big win for them last week in just the sense as, okay, we can still be good when we want to be good. And Hopkins isn't going to be back. They're going to get him back for the playoffs. I just think, honestly, even though Arizona can win the division, I think they're they're fine even if they lose this game. I like how Seattle's been looking offensively the past couple weeks. In this matchup, it seems like Arizona and Seattle, the road team always plays better in this game. So give me Seattle plus six and a half. Uh, My number three, I'm going with the Texans plus ten and a half. Again, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before. Can the Titans win this game? Obviously, they're favored by 10. Do I think the Titans are going to win this game? Maybe. Do I think they're going to cover? Absolutely not. Uh, I think the Texans in this game, this is kind of their Super Bowl division rival, a chance to be a thorn in their side. Already beat them once this year. A team of good veteran players. Mills has been playing really well. Um, And again, just the spotlight is on the Titans. And after the Chiefs win on Saturday, which we both think they will do so handily, um, spotlights on, pressures on, the the thought of Derrick Henry coming back but not being yet. They've got one foot in the playoffs, one foot still in week 18. And that's not a good situation to be for a team that actually needs to win the game to be the one seed. You need to be all in. So I think the way this played out, um, as far as the psychology of it too, I'll tell you what, if the game was on Saturday, I wouldn't have touched it. But because the Chiefs are on Saturday and get to put the pressure on the Titans, I like the Texans to cover and I would sprinkle Texans money line as well. But my, my third pick is uh, Texans plus 10 and a half. My number three, I'm going with the other AFC South dog. I'm a, like Jacksonville plus 15 and a half. And uh, boy, Jacksonville is not a fun team you want to bet on. But this is more on <laughs> fading Indy. I think, look, as great as Jonathan Taylor is, the Colts have the type of team where they, they, they don't have to have a letdown because they can just run the ball with Taylor and lean on that O-line. But, you know, I think Jacksonville, we talked about, they haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. They struggled against the Jags when they played earlier this year. Jacksonville was hanging around, and they had some chances to keep that game a lot closer than it was. I just think 15-and-a-half is way too crazy. You Just knowing the NFL, all the teams that are relying on this Indy-Jacksonville game to lose or tie or something crazy to happen, it's just going to be close. So I think Jacksonville is, is going to mess around. They've beaten Buffalo at home this season, so crazy things have happened down there. Um, I like the Jags, plus 15 and a half. My number two pick is the Colts, minus 15 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I took, I took the, the Patriots, minus 17 and a half against the Jaguars last week, and they won 50 to 10. Put yourself in the shoes of a Jaguars player right now, uh, which, to be honest, I'd rather not be an NFL player than to be a Jaguars player at the moment. You, in the last month, you've had your coach fired which probably was a good thing, actually, yeah, but you still yeah. had that hanging over your head. And last week, you lost 50-10 to 10 and, and had the absolute life sucked out of you in New England. And now you have to play another game. I would not want to have to play another game. And you know this whole storyline that's going on right now where thousands of fans have signed on. They will be attending the game in clown costumes as they protest Khan and his ownership and keeping yeah. Trent Baalke. This is appropriate that they are wearing that because this is an absolute circus right now in Jacksonville. And I think, like I said, one of my favorite player bets, see what you get on the odds for it. Find Jonathan Taylor, alternate yards over 200. I think they just keep feeding him the rock um, and knowing they have to win to get in. I, I think the Colts go ahead and just absolutely take them out 
behind the woodshed and demolish them because this is, I mean, this is something where 30 to three, you know, something like that. It's just going to be bad. It's going to be very, very bad. Uh, and I will make that my number two pick. <laughs> my number two pick uh, going with San Francisco. I told you I like both NFC West dogs this week. I think the Niners win the game outright, but I like plus four and a half. You know, this this is the moment, a, a lot like Bama and Georgia, like this is the moment for the Rams right now. You know, the, all the pressure is on you. You win this game. You got the division. And I, I think, uh, you know, we're going to see uh, uh, Stafford play well. I hope Jimmy G plays in this game for San Francisco. But, man, does Shanahan give that L.A. Rams defense fits. And his defense tends to play well against McVay's offenses. So, until I see the Rams actually beat San Francisco with McVay on the sidelines, and even if they do win, I think it'll be a three- or four-point game. So, I like San Francisco plus four. Number one for me, Buccaneers minus eight. Again, this is just a game, like I said earlier, where it's going to be a quiet blowout, but it's still going to be a blowout. <laughs> like the Panthers right now, they're on the brink of firing rule. Sam Darnold, terrible. Cam Newton, terrible. P.J. Walker, terrible. They don't have McCaffrey. Chuba Hubbard isn't even running the ball the way he did when McCaffrey first went out. There's nothing salvageable about this Panthers team. They're going on the road against the defending Super Bowl champions who in some capacity still do need the game as far as seating purposes go. Um, if they lose and if Dallas wins, then they would fall to the four seed. Again, they'll know that result um, on come, come Saturday night, what Dallas does. So if Dallas loses, then it's a different story as far as the mentality about the Bucs. But if Dallas wins, it pressures the Bucs to, to a point where they've got to win uh, to make sure they get the higher seed and play an Eagles or a Saints team instead of having to play uh, the Cardinals. And we know, again, what the Cardinals have done on the road. So it, it's a big game still for them. They don't have A-B, but you know how Tom Brady does it. There's been a bunch of no-name receivers that he has made into big-name receivers, whether it's Cyril Grayson, Brashad Perriman, uh, Tyler Johnson, or Scotty Miller in this game to go with Mike Evans and Gronk and Brate. They're still going to win this game in a big way, and they just beat the Panthers handily a couple weeks ago on the road. Similar, I mean, to, to what I said about Jacksonville, do you even want to play this game if you're a Panthers player? The answer is no. Um, they're not going to be on top of their game, the Bucks. but again, it's going to very quietly turn into a blowout where you're going to see maybe the first or second quarter. It's like, oh, they're keeping pace. It's 10 to seven. It's 13 to seven. Then you're going to go watch the other games that are more important and better. And you're going to come back and it's 33 to 10. So that's, that's how I see this game going. I'm going to let our boy Jermaine Carter know that I need him to keep it to seven or less. <laughs> this week. All right, that'll be a big help. My number one pick, I've told you, Las Vegas. I'm riding them. They were my number one last week. They're going to be my number one this week. I just think this season for them is a mini 30 for 30. All the adversity they've had to deal with and Coach Madden passing away. They won it for him last week. I think they get into the playoffs for him this week. I like Vegas at home, plus three. Take them on the money line as well, and they will get into the playoffs. All right. I did my playoff machine thing, my seedings in the AFC, based on how I have this week's matchups going. Chiefs number one, which means, yes, I do have the Texans picked in here. Uh, Bengals two, playing the seventh-seeded Colts. Titans three playing the six seeded Raiders, meaning I have the Raiders winning this week and then fourth seeded Buffalo playing fifth seeded New England. That is my AFC. PJ, how about you? I got Tennessee beating Houston. So they're my one. Then I have Chiefs versus Colts in the two seven game. I have Buffalo versus Vegas in the three six. And then I have Cincinnati and New England in the four five, which would be delicious to see Burrow against Belichick. 
and I actually had this clicked wrong here. So let me just rephrase that because I have the Browns minus six, but I accidentally clicked the Bengals. So it's actually the Titans as the two facing the Colts, the Bills as the three facing Vegas, and the Bengals as the four facing New England. Let me make hey, sure yeah. I clear that up because I'm sitting here as I'm reading that to you, and I'm like, wait a minute. I have the Bengals. That was like, damn, the Bengals is the right. Team. Yeah, I, like I have the Bengals losing this week. Yet they're my two seed, and that didn't compute. Uh, <laughs> but now I realize that I clicked the wrong button. So there you go. And actually, this is actually better because the Titans Colts, I would love to see that game as a wild card game. And that's all contingent, of course, on the Titans losing this week. Uh, but that would be that would be something. But uh, going over to the NFC, we know already that the Packers had the number one seed clinched. But based on my picks for this week, I've got the Rams as the two facing the Saints as the seven. I've got the Bucks as the three facing the Eagles as the six. And I've got Dallas as the four facing Arizona as the five. So a rematch of last week's game. We got all the same teams. We just have different uh, – we have – oh, versus Saints. So you have San Francisco out. So I have, uh, I have Green Bay as the one, and then uh, I have Tampa as the two due to the Rams losing. So Tampa will be the two. They place Philly as the seven. Dallas is the three versus San Francisco as the six. Mm. And then I have the NFC West 4-5 game, Los Angeles versus Arizona. That – I like a lot better for the storylines. I hope yours turns out to be right because <laughs> Tampa Bay to... and Philly will not be close. No, Dallas no. But the other two, you get two, two marquee, two marquee franchises in the Niners and the Cowboys at Jerry World, and then you get the Cardinals and the Rams again. So I like your way a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it'll be nice. The only thing I'm hoping for in the playoffs, obviously, if the Ravens are out, I'm just rooting for my bets, the teams that I picked to bet. But the one matchup I hope we do see is Dallas and Green Bay so that we can see McCarthy go back to Lambeau and face Aaron Rodgers. That'd be sweet. All right. All right. So there you have it. It's time for trivia. But first, just to take it all back uh, to, to March of 2020, I just got the alert on my phone that Rudy Gobert has entered the health and safety protocol. Oh, um, Rudy. No. <laughs> Joe, is March Madness going to be canceled in a few months? Please. Oh. I don't mean to make, I don't mean to make oh. a light of it. I hope Rudy Gobert is okay. But just think of how far we've come and how times have changed that when, oh, he, when he first did that, everything shut down. And now he is just one of many. And we trudge onward as we continue to adapt to a world. Joe, you know what's sad is that there were people this year that were complaining about, like, certain Thursday night NFL. There are people complaining about bowl games. Hello, (laughs) we didn't have sports on for, like, two months. And you're complaining about bowl games. What the hell's wrong with people? All right, PJ, what do you got? Uh, Joe, all right, yeah, so you're you're killing it in trivia. You're up four, 29 to 25. All right, I'll I'll ask you my question first. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll give it to you first. Uh, Jim Harbaugh talk has has emerged again to come back yeah. in the NFL as a coach. Yep. Um, I want you to give me four of the five teams that he played for as a player. God, it's a good question. Uh, well, I know that Indianapolis is one of them. Colts. Correct. Was Arizona one? Arizona was not. That was a strike. I don't think I know the team that Harbaugh played for. That's a good question. Was Philly one? Philly was not. That is strike two. Uh, and then, uh, uh, play for Baltimore. He did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nineteen ninety-eight. Yeah, yeah. Play for Baltimore, Indy. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be wrong. I'm gonna say Atlanta, though. Not Atlanta. See, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was. I thought you'd have a chance because the the big coaching rumor right now, obviously, is him going to the Raiders. 
But the other one that has been talked about a lot the last 24 hours has been him going to the Bears because he was drafted by the Bears and played for them for six years. Oh, wow. The, the Colts are the other big one that you got. Yeah. Nobody knows he played for the Colts. Yeah. I figured you would get the Ravens because that's your team, and you just might have seen it somewhere. So it came down to would you get the Chargers or the Panthers where he was the starter for the Chargers briefly before you got into um, – into the era of, of Breeze. Breeze and those guys. So, yeah. uh, yeah, so it was yeah. a matter of, could you pull one of those too? Okay. Um, but yeah. All right. Well done. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The Colts I knew that was Ray Lewis's first interception. Oddly enough was against Jim. Really? So, so yeah. you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. Um, all right. And then your question, uh, college football also, Alabama has been in the championship game a lot. There have only been four games since 2009 where Alabama has not been in the championship game. So oh. can you name me those four championship games? Wow. Four championship games since 2009. Yes. Where Bama was not in it. Correct. This might be a strike, which is a terrible way to start a guess, but I forgot if it was the year before or the year after. Um, Sam Bradford versus Tim Tebow, Florida, Oklahoma. That was the year. That was like a year, year or two before. Up four. All right. So so I strike one. Four. Yep. All right. Let's strike one. Um, okay. So Bama won it last year. LSU beat Clemson. That's one. Okay. Um, Clemson's other wins came against Bama. Um, who else in the playoff era? The year that Bama didn't – Ohio State – uh, who they beat though that year? I know it was the year that Ohio State beat Bama yep. that title game. Um, Ohio State played and beat Jameis Winston. Yeah, no, five seconds. Yes. Uh, wait, was it Ohio State Oregon that year? Right. Yeah, it was. Okay. Ohio State Oregon um, too. You need two more. Ah. Uh, speaking of Oregon, Oregon Auburn. Correct. Okay. Um. Oh, 15 seconds. Oregon, Auburn, Florida State, Oregon. No, two strikes. No, Florida State's correct, but they did not play Oregon. Florida State, Auburn. That is correct. There we go. I knew they played one of the two teams that was in the Oregon <laughs> Auburn game. <laughs> that is correct. Well that was your Mariota and Jameis were the top pick. Then after that, yeah, that was the yeah FSU played Oregon in the semis. That was the game where Jameis like lost the ball. So right. He was, like, right. Back. Right, right. Yeah, right, Auburn right. Oregon was the title game where the dude was on top of the guy and then he yes. got up and ran. FSU Auburn, great finish towards they, the they, end. It was the Winston last Benjamin. That was the last BCS and he did it in the Vince Young end zone to Calvin Benjamin. Correct. And then uh 2014 was the first CFP. That was Cardell Jones was quarterback for yeah. Ohio State and they beat Oregon and then Clemson LSU obviously with Burrow in them. So Right. Well done, Joe. 30 to I'm going to roll with these. And I've got a couple of the buzzer, too. So I'm, you have, I'm rolling. You're doing good. <laughs> Joe, does Maryland cover against Illinois tonight? What's the spread? I haven't looked 11, at it. 11. We're 11 point favorites? Dogs. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, this isn't women's we, basketball. <laughs> I, think we, I think we lose by single digits. So I'll say the Yeah, I agree. I took Maryland. Maryland always yeah. plays Illinois well. And I know Turgeon isn't there, but I think, I think they keep it close. Agreed. Agreed. Single digit Thanks loss, to so. uh, Ellie and Reeve for joining yes. us. Thanks to Ellie, especially for joining us, because since she said yes, we were able to bring two guests back on, like last right. year. 
All right. So hopefully good things happen to them. Good things happen for you, hopefully, PJ. We'll see you on Monday night. Uh, thank you for tuning in to episode 69. It was a nice time. And we get back to episode well 70 next week. I there. slipped well it in. Here. I was going to slip it in at some point. All right, yes, 70 next. Wow, <laughs> big. big.